Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, Dana and I, it's, it's fun because we get to see so many familiar faces, but also a lot of new faces even since we have moved out to Eastern North Carolina. So three and a half months ago, the church sent Dana and I out to work with a church in a little town called Kinston, North Carolina. Frank and Jasmine have also joined that team and moved out on New Year's Eve. And so we're excited about the opportunities of what God is doing in Eastern North Carolina. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that as the sermon goes on. But as we start, one of the great things about technology is we still get to follow whatever's going on here. So we've really enjoyed uh, this series on the treasure of wisdom. What does it look like to walk in wisdom and live in God's wisdom? And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 3, which is where we're going to be this morning. And as you go back and you think about last week, Rance talked about that the challenge is wisdom is found not in a what, but in a who. And um, we, we have this idea that we can, we try to fill our lives with all kinds of things that we assume are going to bring us life. If only this would happen, then I could really be fulfilled. Then my life would really be whole and complete. Um, and this whole study of wisdom is looking at, okay, but what does God say about that? How do I find my significance and life in him and him alone? So it is found in a whom, not a what. And the writer is going to continue this idea as we start into chapter 3, verse 19 today in Proverbs. Before we get there, I wonder, have any of you ever had a drawing like this be presented to you? And now this is a, this is a hard work of art from a young child. And they present this to you with wonderful glory. Now, how do you respond? Do I look at the picture and try to figure out what was going through their mind? That is a beautiful, um, or do I take the other approach to say, ah, this is a, such a fantastic drawing. Tell me what it is. Because how do you get into the mind of a two or a three or a four-year-old to figure out what were they trying to put down on paper? Because their imagination is so grand. It could be an eagle picking up a fish out of a lake. You have no idea, but the wise one will go to the creator of the art and say, tell me, what did you intend from this incredible masterpiece? All right, well, when it comes to life, we have the same option. We can look at life as just random coincidence and, you know, I just get to find my way and figure out where my heart goes, what I want to do, and I'll figure it out as I go. And sometimes that can look a little chaotic. Or we can pull back and we can say, I bet the creator of everything has an idea of the very best way that our lives can live. And that's what wisdom is all about. It's seeking to find out the mind of the creator, saying, what did you intend from this incredible masterpiece that you started. So in chapter 3, verse 19, the, the author of Proverbs is going to go back to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And by his knowledge, the depths were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so that they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, to the freedom that we have to gather today to worship and to focus on you. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, for the love that you demonstrated for us by sending your son to provide the payment so that we could be a part of the family of God and experience life to the fullest. Father, we pray that as we study today, your Holy Spirit will have freedom to lead and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. So as we think about this morning, we're going to start with this idea as we look at verse 19 through the end of the chapter in Proverbs chapter 3. And it's going to start out with what is the foundation? Where do we go? If you look back in your Bible in verse 18, wisdom is personified as a tree of life. And to those who take hold of her, Happy are all who retain her. Rance talked about that last week, or literally blessed. Privileged are all who hold on to wisdom, which is personified as a tree of life. Now, what's really fascinating is you think about this idea and the imagery of a tree and a tree of life, it automatically takes us back to the garden where everything began. But what is interesting is that if you go back and you study most cultures and most religions that are thousands and thousands of years old, many of them all go back to a tree. And so it is amazing how even at creation, God's story is woven through so many different religions and cultures and history. And this idea of a tree of life keeps coming up. You know, this tree of life, there are all kinds of movies that that go to it. If you could have a tree that you could eat the fruit of or drink from and live forever, that's ultimately a goal. But what if there was more to this life than just living forever? What if God intended something deeper, something more that you and I could experience day in and day out, no matter what's going on in our lives? Man, it would be a shame to live your whole life on earth and not find out about that till the very end of your life. But thankfully, we have the Word of God, and we have the Scriptures that encourage us and reveal to us, this is the heart of the Father, and this is what wisdom is, if you are willing to dig in and to take hold of that wisdom. So when we look at verses 19, we have this picture that wisdom was there and present when God founded the earth. And there's this encouragement, my son, let not... Let them not depart from your eyes. You see, when we talk about a foundation of wisdom, we talk about where is our focus. You ever been sitting in the kitchen with your wife and you're on your phone and she's talking? She's talking about some detail, something like that. And before you know it, you're agreeing to something that you don't even recognize what she just said. Or maybe if you've been a part of my household, if I tend to be looking at my phone and my wife is talking, all of a sudden she just stops. Well, that gets your attention as well. She didn't complete a thought, so what just happened? And it never fails that as soon as I 
look up from my phone directly at her, she begins to finish her comment. Why? Because she wants to know, are you really listening? Are you really paying attention? It's why if you have teenagers, you do the same thing. Look at me when I'm talking to you so that I know you really do hear what I'm telling you. And that is the picture of the foundation of wisdom. Where are your eyes? Where is your focus? Is this even on your radar to be pursuing and looking for what is the wisdom of God and how do I take hold of it? Because the promise is it will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. That you will experience a fulfillment that apart from the wisdom of God, you will never be able to experience. Some people do everything the hard way. They pursue every other possible thing in their life to see maybe this will bring fulfillment. But our prayer is that as we grow together in wisdom, that this will be something that we automatically seek out. That we keep before our eyes of what is the wisdom of God in my life and in my situation. So next, the the writer goes on in Proverbs to talk about these are the benefits. If you are willing to keep your eyes focused on the right foundation, that this wisdom comes from God and has been around since the creation of the universe, well, let me tell you what you gain from doing that, from keeping your eyes right there. Verses 23 and 24 says, Then you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Now, if you're in our Sunday school class in Psalm 23, we talked about this particular dimension of sleep. And what does it take for you to rest well? That if you are anxious and there's something on your mind, generally sleep comes a little harder. But when you are completely at ease, that my creator knows my situation, he knows what I'm going through, then there is a different peace that you're able to experience and ultimately will give you rest. Look at the next verse in 25 and 26. It says, So then do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. Did you catch that part? You know, there's, there's a part of Christianity that teaches, well, if you will just love God, serve God, then your life will just be miraculously free of any hardships. And that's not what this proverb is talking about because it says, nor of trouble when it comes. It will come. It comes to every one of our lives in all different fashions. Trouble will come. But what does it look like to be completely at ease in the wisdom of God to be able to say, this is really out of control. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I have full what? That last little part. The Lord will be your confidence. And will keep your foot from being caught. This is not, Christianity is not a get out of jail free card where just your life is roses. And that's the important part of the body because it's hard. It's hard when we go through those ups and downs in life. And we need the body to encourage one another that don't lose sight. What do you need to do? Keep your eyes on what is most important. Because boy, when we start to divert our eyes to the problem and the situation at hand, it can get really discouraging. 
But if we remember what is most important and we focus on the foundation of what we are aiming at, that is God has wisdom and understanding in every situation that I'm going through, then this picture is there is no reason for me to be afraid even when the trouble is coming. Because my confidence is not in how am I going to pull this out, but my confidence is I know the Creator. And by wisdom and understanding, He started all of this and He's not abandoning me now if I keep my eyes and focus on Him. So throughout the Proverbs, there's been this call to pursue wisdom, pursue her with everything. She's calling out. And there's been some warnings that have gone throughout the passages in Proverbs so far of avoid these traps. But it's really interesting that in this chapter then, it's not just how does wisdom impact you, but it begins to shift here in this chapter. We're going to look at now the overflow of wisdom. What do we do that as we are pursuing God, our eyes are set on him, our life still goes through ups and downs, What's next? Is that the extent of it? Is it just a knowledge? Is it just an understanding? Is that the fulfillment of what God called us to? Or is there something more? Look down in verse 27. It says, So, because God is your confidence and you've set your eyes on what's most important, so do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. We begin to see this picture of the overflow of wisdom. That wisdom is not just for your own benefit. Even though there are general proverbs and general truths that when you pursue wisdom from God, there are benefits. Your confidence is not in you, but it's in God, and you are able to go through really hard things and not be afraid or fearful because your confidence is in him. It goes on in verse 29 to say, Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. And do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. There is this picture of wisdom lived out, When you're pursuing wisdom, the natural overflow of that is that it begins to impact other people. That when you have the ability to help someone, that's part of wisdom. You have the opportunity to be a part of that situation. When your neighbor is needy, we don't don't think of the importance of neighbors as they did in that culture. Because if you have a problem, you pick up the phone, you call 911. That wasn't true in this culture. So who's the closest to you? You, If you are in trouble, you want a neighbor that's ready to jump in and help in whatever way is going on. So godly wisdom is the foundation of our life. It's what we pursue and put our confidence in. And then the overflow of that is to begin to impact those that are around you. When you have the power to do it. So it's, it's fun when we think about this idea and this dimension of the overflow of wisdom because it starts with a foundation. And we begin to see this picture of, well, if we've talked about our neighbor in Proverbs chapter 3, then who is that? What does that look like? 
Is that just my immediate family? Is that just people within this church congregation? Is that really my only focal point? Or is the neighbor a broader term? And if you remember in Luke, Luke talks about a parable that Jesus gives. And the context of that parable in Luke chapter 10 is a question of what must I do to inherit life? How can I fully experience life was the question that was given to Jesus. He says, well, what does the Old Testament law say? What, what does the law tell you? To which the lawyer answers, well, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Matthew 22 talks about that that is the great commandment, that all of the Old Testament law is summarized in those two statements, to love God with all of your being and to love others. That's the natural overflow of a healthy relationship with God the Father. But that question, who is the neighbor? And Jesus tells a parable that you're probably really familiar with. But he talks about a man that was beaten up and robbed by a group of thieves and left on the side of the road. And there are different individuals that come along in this story. There's a priest, there's a Levi that sees this man in need and just keeps on walking. And then there's a Samaritan that walks up. And to see this man in need, what does he do? He goes over, he picks him up. He takes him to an inn to make sure that he is taken care of. He even goes back to provide for the bill of the innkeeper taking care of this man until he is well enough. And he ends this story or this parable by asking the question again, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus' response in Luke chapter 10 is, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. The neighbor was being redefined, not just by our Jewish culture, not just by a certain place that you lived, not by a certain community that you lived in, but Jesus was beginning to shift that idea of neighbor is to anyone that you have the opportunity to be a blessing to. That is how you can demonstrate and show off the character of God, to love others. So as you think about this, now, some of you may have absolutely no idea what we're doing in Kinston, North Carolina. And I want to bring you along a little bit of why did we pursue this opportunity? Some people felt like, you know, they just heard about it, and then a couple of weeks later, we just left. Because we are still members here at First Baptist. We have been sent out under the authority of First Baptist and the elders that are here to go and to help restore the spiritual vigor of another church. That's gone through a lot of crises over the last four years. There's been a lot of different turmoil and a lot of different things that they have gone through together. That they love one another and they wanted to go forward, but the question was how? We don't know what the next step looks like for the church. And so because of some relationships that we had in that church, we presented them an idea. Would you be willing to simplify everything that you're doing, take out the politics of the church structure, and just seek to become a healthy body. And then let God do whatever he wants to with the next step for Emmanuel Baptist Church. And lo and behold, they agreed. <laughs> they were willing to set aside the whole constitution and, and appoint a leadership team, because everything we do is in teams, 
to help the church be able to move forward and to figure out, okay, God, what are you doing here and how do we, how do we get on your game plan? But I want you to know that as a church, this, this idea of helping another church didn't just like kind of randomly spur the moment we just stumble upon something. Back in November of 2019, there was a group of us that went to a discipleship conference out in Nashville. And we began to ask questions and just have discussions among the church leaders of what does it look like to help churches make discipleship a priority of their church so that we could go and be able to help other people's focus on the simple vision that we have, that is to make disciples who what? Love and live like Jesus. This is not a complicated purpose or methodology. And so we began to talk about what kind of possibilities that could even look like. And it, would it even be possible for one church to come alongside another church with getting absolutely nothing out of the partnership? Is that even possible? There's a lot of different strategies of how churches go about this. And a lot of times when another church comes to help another church, that church becomes under the authority of whatever church is helping them. And that's not what we've asked of Emmanuel. We've just said, look, we have gone through a process as a church. And this process has gone on pretty intently for the last six or seven years here at First Baptist. The changes that have gone on in what does it look like to become a healthy church. And we just asked a simple question, is that something that you would like to pursue? Because if so, we understand some of the tensions that come along with that. And as a church, we would love just to be an encouragement to say, keep at it. We know there's going to be hard times. We know there's going to be exciting moments. And as a church, can we just come alongside and encourage you in this process? Because we know that we are aiming at the same objective. So then throughout that next year, you had COVID that hit and changed everything within the church. And yet as elders, and we kept having discussions, what could this look like? Is this even possible? Is First Baptist at a place that it's even ready to think outside of itself in that kind of capacity? Because that's a pretty big commitment. And then this last, um, this last September, an opportunity presented itself with this church at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Kinston, North Carolina. And when we talk about this picture of the overflow of wisdom that do not withhold good when it is in your power to do so, I want you to know that's really the heartbeat of what we're aiming at. We're not out to create a whole, you know, grand plan of how we can get this church of 20 to 1,000 members by the next two years. What we are, we are doing is what we're committed to here at First Baptist, and that's loving individuals and helping them to grow and mature to become like Jesus Christ, to take that next step in their walk of faith, whatever that is for them, and just to be a part of this process. And you as a church family, we have the opportunity to do this together. Not every opportunity looks the same. We're not asking every one of you here that in the next five years we want you to be ready to go and to move across the state to help another church. God might be calling some of you to that. We don't know where this is all headed. But the challenge is how do we take advantage of the opportunities to allow the wisdom that we have received from God to overflow and impact other people? 
As a church body, our prayer this year is that we will be able to model and minister to Emmanuel Baptist Church. Now, that's looked a, a few different ways. We have a few pictures here of the youth group that went out, and they, kept, they came out for one afternoon, and they just helped clean up the outside of the church. And filled trailer after trailer of leaves and trees and took them out to a burn pile. And you think, it's, it's just a few hours. What's the big deal? A couple of guys ran pressure washers pretty much all day, soaked to the core in very cold weather. Some of the gals organized some books that we could be able to go through and determine what needs to be kept and what needs to be gotten rid of. And yet at the end of that conversation, one of the individuals in the church came up and his, his comment was, I just don't understand why. Why is it that a church seven and a half hours away would come just to clean up landscaping? I can't figure out what they are gaining from this. And this is the beauty of grace, is that the opportunity to help the church to see it has absolutely nothing to do with what the church gains. It's the blessing they receive from simply being able to serve. Now, we know that not every, every one of you can come out, out there and to do projects. We have some things that are lined up. One of the things that you guys as a church help to give money to, uh, this is the, the end of a picnic pavilion that runs right along the parking lot of the church that we've been remodeling for Frank and Jasmine. So this is going to be just, here's the kitchen as you go in. It's very simple. Um, you have a little living room. The kitchen's off to the left. <coughs> and then you have their bedroom with a couple of closets. There's really not much to it in a bathroom in, in this apartment. We are so close, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, to finishing that apartment. We're so grateful for the gift that the church gave in order to help provide the funds for this to happen. Because this is a big deal for Frank and Jasmine to be out there. And they are a huge help as far as modeling this dimension of discipleship that we've talked about here and demonstrating grace. In a couple of weeks, there's a group of you all that's going to come out. And this is hopefully what you're going to turn the sanctuary into when it comes to the stage. The stage needs some updating. Um, the stage is very tall and out of place for, for, the, size that the, church, uh, for the size of the church. And we're always focused on what are we communicating as soon as visitors come into a sanctuary? How do we love them and help put them at ease? So we have some guys that are volunteering to come out, tear apart the stage, uh, and just to update it so that we can be able to use it in a way that will help be purposeful and help communicate clearly the love of God and relationships. But this question keeps coming up. Why would a church come out here for nothing? But we recognize that when a church gets down and they've gone through a lot of crisis over many years, it's easy to become discouraged. What's the point? Why keep up the building? Who has the time for that? We're down to 15 or 20 people. Not all of us have a skill set to even know how to maintain a building. So why? Why keep it up? Unless there is a larger purpose. Does God have the wisdom needed to establish a disciple-making church in Kinston, North Carolina? That's our hope and our prayer. 
And there's going to be different opportunities for you to be able to come along and different projects that you can become a part of. But it's always this goal of how do we demonstrate the wisdom of God that you are loved and that God gives graciously with no strings attached. Do not withhold good when it is in your power to do so. We know that the transition to a disciple-making body is not easy. But it is the priority of God the Father. He sent his son to model what did it look like to live and love out of the character of God himself. And then he allows you and I the opportunity to partner with him. Now, maybe it's not you being called to go to a whole other church. But the simplicity of who is your neighbor, what are the opportunities that God is giving you today that you can help fulfill this purpose? God wants his wisdom to be shown off to those that are in your life that you have the opportunity to show off his character to. Because when you come down to the end of this chapter, we end with this picture of what is the legacy of wisdom. We don't often want to think about that time in our lives where what will we be remembered for after we die? It's not a real pleasant thing. We like to talk about life. We like to have fun, right? But the reality is, If you choose not to determine and just say, I'm going to wing my life and see what happens, there's a high probability that your legacy will be the legacy of a fool. But if you choose to focus and to set your eyes on the principles and wisdom of God, that that is your foundation in your marriage, in your business practices, and how you relate to your children, And how you relate to people in this community. Now that is a whole different dimension of a legacy that we can be a part of. Look at verse 34 as we get ready to close out this service. Surely he, that's God, scorns the scornful. But he gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory. But shame shall be the legacy of fools. You don't have to have some kind of theology degree in order to be a part of God's incredible plan. Because the beauty is, it's the attitude of humility that God says, that's an individual I can use. If the individual thinks, I have it all figured out, I really don't need God, you're headed down the way of the fool. And he's okay to let you go down that path as long as you want. But he has promised there is something better. You don't have to learn the way of the fool through experience and poor choices. You have the opportunity to pursue wisdom and to leave a legacy that shows off the character of God more than anything. A legacy that will bring glory and to show him off in all of his incredible facets and all of his character. And we all have an opportunity to do that together. 
One way corporately we're doing that is by going and focusing on another church and encouraging their walk of pursuing this kind of wisdom and loving God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the legacy that we leave as individuals follows that same path. How consumed are you with how God wants to relate to you? Is Christianity all about God loves me and that's it? That's all the farther that I want to take it? God says you're free to do that. You're free to experience that. But what the creator knows that started all of this is that you fully experience life when you're willing to put the needs of others ahead of your own. But it doesn't make sense. How do you get what you want if you don't protect your rights at all costs? And guard what you want with all of your being. That's the incredible thing about Christianity. God says, let all that down. Accept my wisdom and experience a life that you could not imagine. That is our greatest heart and prayer. So that we will, that we will be a body that treasures the wisdom of God above all else. We're so thankful for the opportunities that God gives us to demonstrate his character because he knows that is the very best thing for his creation. Live out the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the model that you sent us in your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that he lived so that we know how to show off your character. Father, our greatest prayer and desire is that you will use each and every individual here to show off your wisdom in all of the different relationships that they have in their life. And that you will help us to be alert as we set our mind on what is most important to you, that we would be alert to opportunities that you are allowing us simply to do good to those that are around us so that we can show off your love, we can show off your grace, and we can demonstrate your character to individuals that maybe have never experienced anything like it in their life. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a part of this grand process. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.